Welcome to the Joy Quota Podcast. I'm Dylan Fole. And I'm Gavin Malcolm. Our guest tonight is Mike Hill. This dude is awesome. We met him, or I met him a long time ago over spaghetti, but we really got to meet him drinking, throwing axes, shooting clays at his soon-to-be brother-in-law's bachelor party. You guys are going to love this guy. He is so intelligent and, and just so wonderful and funny. Enjoy. I love the floor because it's always the coolest spot. So I'm sure Allie was like, come to bed. And I was like, you're one million degrees and I am so hot. I'm going to sleep on this floor. And so I just like crawled under the table so no one would fuck with me, I'm sure. And then just woke up in the morning and like had to step over her cousin who was like passed out on the stairs. I was like, good God, this got out of hand. There's like a hundred people. Yeah, I'm glad that like camping went the way that it did. How I said like I didn't feel that bad. Yeah, because now if I get... Like, I'm scared for football season this year because <laughs> now if I get, like, buzzed on a Sunday, like, Friday, I really start coming back to, like, my full self just, just in time, time to do it again. What? Yeah. It takes five days. I get tired, man. I just get so sleepy. And then, like, if I'm drinking beer and I start coming down from a beer buzz, point of no return. Like, I just get sleepy and I can't come back from it. Wow. Yeah, and I just pass out. Oh, damn. We should have a, a stack or... Should we have a sack for you ready to go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we can. That's, that always <laughs> um, works. That's, that's wild. Yeah, man. I just get sleepy now. I don't know what it is. I turn 27 next week. And like me and my friend always have this, this discussion. Like when you hit 25, it's just like this brick wall of like oldness. And now I'm like my knees hurt and like my hips hurt sometimes for no reason. It's like. I remember this. I remember like. 25, invincible. 26, I was like, I might be slightly vincible. I wouldn't say I'm like definitely vincible, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. there's potentially some cracks in the dam. <laughs> I'm, I'm still invincible. I'm 32, so. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't need to start drinking Gentleman's Jack. Then. <laughs> it could be the, uh, the green vegetable kale blueberry mix yeah they say something about eating healthy is like good for you <laughs> they do say something about that yeah, yeah. It's not like tom brady's They've still mentioned playing it. at a high level yeah uh, they have mentioned it once or twice that's probably my favorite thing i've ever heard i'm gonna steal that from you mike <laughs> no i it's think so good I'm especially because in... you, you like said it so slow You're like yeah i guess that is like a thing <laughs> no i like when i was what was it so i deployed when i was yeah, 20. I turned 21 in Afghanistan, and I was, like, in the worst shape of my life. Like, up to that point, I wrestled and played sports all yeah. the time, so I didn't have to, like, be healthy because it was just, like, always active and being yeah. a kid. And then, um, yeah, deployed, and I was, like, out of nowhere. So, like, high school, I wrestled 120 pounds. And that like, is unreal. Off season, I was anywhere from, like, 140 to 145 and, like, cutting all that weight. It was okay. Cause it was like metabolism was like rocking and stuff. Oh my God. And then, um, yeah, I joined the military was eating. Actually, so I made a bet with somebody. I couldn't eat chicken fingers for 30 days straight. So I ate chicken fingers cause they were free. <laughs> so I ate chicken fingers and I was like, you know what? You know, metabolism is awesome. Well, before I know it, I'm 176 pounds when I deploy, couldn't pass a PT test, which was like a hun or a mile and a half run. Like I couldn't even do that. Whoa. And then I like had to take a step back and I was like, Oh crap. Like, I'm in some horrible shape. And then I got there <laughs> and like met a dude who was like all into CrossFit and like uh, nutrition and stuff. So I started doing that. 
and from like 21 to probably like 25 just like oddly obsessed with like fitness and eating well and nutrition and all that stuff and i got burnt out on it and now i think that's what's happened i'm like finding the effects of like not being active all the time and not being healthy is just like taking this massive toll on my body i'm just like man yeah because it's a slow process either way generally right Mm -hmm. like you don't you can't work out one time and expect to feel good and like that's why i made the conscious decision when i was like 24 25 like i'm gonna see what this healthy eating thing is about and hope that you know now it's still paying off um i was just i don't know why i originally thought that but it's like yeah i don't know it's like because when i came back i came back in january so january to like november i think i could probably count on one hand the amount of like not clean food that I ate. Yeah. Like I was just so into it and like made awesome progress. And now I'm like thinking back to it. I'm like, man, that was such a long time of like dedication. Now to think that I have to probably start at like zero, do that all again. And then like fitness is like not something that you just like complete, you know, it's like the rest of your life kind of thing. And I'm like, geez, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of dedication. And like counting macros every day, like I was down to like. Oh, you were like deep into the CrossFit game then. Like yeah, deep like into and it. I was down to like measuring my food down to the ounce uh. per meal per like it was crazy. Then two years ago, I think I did like a carb cycling for the first time. And even on like my low carb days, I think I was only having four ounces of carbs for two days, no carbs. And then on Wednesdays was like. 14 ounces of carbs like it wasn't a lot of carbs and yeah it was just experimenting with that it was cool but yeah now it's just like i can't imagine i like fat tire i like all these things yeah that's a little bit excessive we celebrate bacon cheeseburger friday pretty regularly so (laughs) there's a balance i think yeah i think you're aiming for somewhere around 80 percent like i as long as i'm still physically fit enough to do like any of the things that i really enjoy yeah. And I'm not like genuinely feeling terrible. I feel like I'm right around that like 70 to 80% range of like I'll eat terrible for three days and I'll eat great for four or five days and I'll eat terrible for three days. And like, is that 80%? Let's do the math on that. I don't, I don't have a calculator in front of me, but I, I think three days on, four days off is not quite 80%. Yeah, yeah. It's almost a 50% split right there. It's like, you're going 60-40. Yeah. yeah. I'm That's honestly okay. happy with 60-40. It seems yeah. to be all right so far. Yeah. As long as... And some weeks are like 30-70. Like, it's just all junk food. And then other di- other weeks, it's like I cooked up nine pounds of chicken, so it's time to make my way through that yeah. and some broccoli. But. Yeah, I told my girlfriend now because like when we first started dating, I was I was like in the mix of like really being back at it again. It was like two years ago, and now she, I just told her I was like, as long as I'm healthy and like can be active without dying, like I'm pretty good, you know. Yeah. I keep blaming a lot of things on the altitude here, but I've been here for almost a year, so I think I just need to. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, you do a little three, bit from more. Here, so yeah. I, don't think that counts I was gone you though for years. like seven years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's if you're right. gone for more than three years, you lose oh, it, that, and then is it that takes. Really a thing? That's what people say. Yes, oh. it's true. 
the science is in. The science is in. I like that. Uh, well, so it's funny. <laughs> I had no interest in any of it until we went camping for Jamar's bachelor party and then watching Jamar and Trevor just crush that Atlas down. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to put on some weight for the wedding, man. I'm going to bulk up so I don't look like I'm about to blow away in the wind next to these dudes. <laughs> I know. I like how so, we're like sitting there like, yeah, if you just bend your knees and keep your back tight. And then Trevor just grabs it and is like, yeah. Yeah, they're both just, just tricep pressing it. Like, <laughs> they're just like... It's a little rough. Yeah. I was like sweaty and like kind of having the beer burps while I'm cooking the burgers and like trying to play (laughs) it off. This was like at 11, 12 at night after drinking for five hours, they decided they want to lift a hundred pound weight above their heads. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they made it look so easy and I'm surprised I even got it off the ground. I was very afraid for every ligament (laughs) in your body. (laughs) I was like, because yeah, I was like, that was pretty rough, but like. I forget that you're like significantly lighter than me. So I was like, yeah, Dylan, like just lift up the hundred pound bag. You're fine. And then, yeah, guys, I'm, it's like two thirds of my body weight. <laughs> I don't think that was a good idea. When he had mentioned the Atlas stone shooting, I thought he was kidding. And he's like, you guys ready to lift the Atlas stone tonight? And I was like, ha ha, that's pretty funny. And then he popped it out and I was like, oh my gosh, dude, this guy's serious. So I was with Jamar later that day, like recouping at the pool. Trevor bought a 200-pound Atlas stone, and when Jamar went to the park and threw that thing around, I was like, what? Who's <laughs> just picking up a 200-pound Atlas stone? You break the suspension in your car, man. Especially because it's floppy, too, so it makes it, like, ten times harder. Yeah. And, yeah, he just handled it, and I was just like, what the... So, I'm yeah. trying to get whatever those crazy neck muscles Jamar has. You, those get, you got traps. some massive traps, too, because the suspenders... Otherwise, they're going to look weird. Yeah. Like, no one wants to see suspenders on just, like, <laughs> a slender man's body. It's got to be, like, G-gah! So that's just hey, talk Do you have a month to get traps? I don't know about that. Uh, I don't think I don't have them, but I need them to... I bet I could make them better. You could probably go... Just go get, get like, a HGH. couple, like, 50-pound, <laughs> 60-pound dumbbells and just farmer's carry everywhere you exactly. go around the house all night. That's my thought. Yeah, it's, like, sore. just... Only that for like 30 minutes a day. I bet you. Then you'll have to button the suspenders exactly. up there because they're just like such a massive exactly. slope. Yeah. yeah. The only problem is it's not a muscle I'm actually particularly interested in having because it doesn't seem useful for much. <laughs> it seems really inconvenient. If you ever, yeah, I guess if you want to carry like 100 pound things like this, like, I mean, it yeah. comes in handy, yeah. Because for BMX, like, you need to be like limber. That's. Yeah the fitness I'm trying to get towards and I just can't bring myself to fully submit. It's like all of the stuff that's so boring of like stretching a lot and doing resistance bands and like a lot of like very low intensity things that are just like so good for your body. Dylan does them and supposedly Tom Brady does them and that's like he claims that's like his key to success but it is. I just certainly is. can't do it yet. Yeah, mobility is like my favorite thing to learn about. Was my favorite thing to do. Now I just now, like I said, I think now I, I learn regress ingredient in a fat tire. Yeah. <laughs> and I've like regressed so far that I'm like, dang, to get that flexible again, it's gonna take like a good eight months to do that. Yeah. Like I stopped skateboarding. I skateboarded a lot as a kid, 
and like I would land like some crazy ways where like my heel would touch my forehead and I'd be like, oh, yeah. crap, like, I'm good. <laughs> now, no. Like, you know, yeah. it gets like some mornings, yeah, I sit like that, big toes asleep in like 10 seconds. <laughs> <I'm> just <laughs> like, oh, no, this is not good. Yeah. Oh, boy. Dude, we should get you and Jamar in a game of skate. He just picked up a deck again for the first time in like years and years and years. Is he just natural? He's probably naturally good at it, isn't he? Well, I mean, he was good at it as a kid, yeah. but he's also definitely rusty. That'd be a, an epic game. I like it. <laughs> I'm on board for that because I've gone to the park with him a couple times. And like some days he's off, some days he's on. <laughs> I'd be down for that. Yeah. I'm not doing any stairs anymore. Like I said, <laughs> <laughs> like my limbs will pop off like, like twigs. They'll just pop yeah. right off. Man. Well, so let's talk about how we know you. So our friends... Jamar and Nicole are getting married in a month, and you're Nicole's brother, which is pretty rad, because now we've officially had, like, almost every part of the Jamar-Nicole family on board, so we'll get all of you guys Pokemon style. But um, That'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself for the people who don't know you, who haven't gotten to spend five hours drunk around a campfire, shooting the breeze. All right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I... Grew up around, well, Littleton, Lakewood area. Uh, went to Dakota Ridge High School here. And, um, yeah, when I, all throughout, like, high school and stuff, I was so involved in sports and, like, social. And, like, so focused on, like, getting, like, a wrestling scholarship, but didn't realize, like, you have to do good in school, too. <laughs> and so, like, oh, no. I would just, like, not do good in school. And then by the time, like, I realized I need to do good in school, it was just like unsalvageable. I think I graduated with like a 2.2 grade average. Hey, it was man. awful, man. And so after that, my like parents were talking to me like, what are you going to do? And I kind of looked at my dad and I was like, well, I'm living with dad now, you know, maybe I could just live with him for a little while and figure it out. And then they both took me to a restaurant and they sat me down and my dad just straight up was like, you can't live with me. Yeah. And then my, I looked at my mom like, Mom, you save me all the time. And she was just <laughs> put her head down like, because they were like trying to push me into joining the military. I didn't really want to do that. And then um, eventually, you know, I ended up joining the military, let's see, January 2012. See, so, yeah, I was 19, joined the military, went to Florida. And I was like, sweet, Florida's really cool. And then they're like, yeah, you're only going to be here like two months. <laughs> and I was like damn so we're in class and then everybody gets their orders and so they sat us by like last name and v i was always at the end well everybody gets their orders and they're passing them out everybody's getting like south carolina florida california one guy went to germany and like all their top choices so i'm like sweet because my top choices were uh washington florida think two florida bases so i was like really excited to get my first thing and they landed in arkansas oh and i like am thinking oh. like map 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 i didn't do good in school i don't know where the hell arkansas <laughs> no idea <laughs> in the world well and so one guy had you're salt. all excited i'm going out of country <laughs> right yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah they're sending me to the moon <laughs> and um so one guy has salt lake city and this other girl has like this really remote town in like new mexico but they're like hey we're both willing to trade we don't care where we go something in salt lake city i've heard that before so i mean that's a step up you know 
and my instructor came from Arkansas and he's like, oh man, this is the best place I've ever been. I've been in for 15 years. I'd go back in a second. I'd retire there. And so now I'm thinking, I have this gold mine of orders here. I'm going to Arkansas. Show up. I'm telling you guys, if you guys ever get the chance to go to Arkansas, <laughs> deny it. Do not go to Arkansas. <laughs> it is just the weirdest place. And I tell this story. People think I'm lying. I called my dad. So my dad drove out there with me, and um, which is really cool. Like, we took a road trip. I drove for like 30 minutes and complained, and then he drove the rest of the way. and was like really <laughs> pissed off. But we get there, and as he's leaving, and it was like the most... I don't know how to explain it. Like, almost like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. As he's leaving at the airport, he puts his hand on my shoulder and was like, have fun, bud. Oh. And just left and I was like, oh, no. So That's like, not how you say it if you mean it. <laughs> yeah. And he, like, he was trying to be nice about the fact that Arkansas yeah. was awful. And then... um you know, on top of that, I had to stay in a hotel for like two weeks because I didn't have my room ready. But, um, yeah, it was just like, I'm there and like a new kid in a new place and not even like a fun new place. And just like, kind of like, yeah, what the hell did I get myself into kind of thing. And, um, but I tell this story. So he leaves like probably two weeks later, I'm driving down the highway. So everywhere, everywhere there's highway driving and, um, this guy in a pickup truck comes by and I don't know if it's fake or if it's real to this day, but he drives by in a pickup and I look over this guy in a pickup with his shirt off and there's a deer in the passenger seat. I <laughs> hope it was fake. I don't know, but it's a deer seat belt in Arkansas. the passenger seat, just like chilling with his head back and like a oh. buck. Maybe yeah. Like a, clearly like hit it or yeah, it. something. And I'm just like in awe, like what the hell is going on here? Where am I at? And so I call my dad. He thinks I'm lying. He's, I, think he probably still thinks I'm lying to this day, but I try to tell people that story. Like that's the tone that was set for me when I first got to Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, day one. <laughs> and it lived up to the hype. Like I was stationed with some weird people who like this one. Oh, this, was this the crazy dude? Yeah, the crazy guy I told you. He's like the like the habitual liar who believed everything he said. So I said, like, when he said he was deployed, he was throwing mortars out of the back of planes because like the ammo system stopped working and yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, the you know <laughs> like the like craziest his, story. His ghillie suit was. Did you? Did I ever tell you that story? Were you up at that time? I no, I probably. Way. Yeah, I missed Staff that. Our, our listeners, our listeners doozy. are interested okay. now. Yeah. So wait. if you're in your car, make sure you're buckled up. You might want to pull over. This is the most insane story <laughs> ever. So he would like progressively like lie bigger, and so the. One of the first things he did was invited me to his house for dinner. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's really nice. And he's this Italian guy. So he cooks awesome Italian food. So I get there and we had raviolis and they were like easily like one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. And so we eat raviolis. We sit down and I think it was the Hobbit. He turned the Hobbit on. And so we're like watching the <laughs> Hobbit. such a weird detail. <laughs> yeah. And this so is like... Great. Cause that's before the actual like good hobbits came out, right? Like, yeah, it was the, the very first one. one. And yeah. the only thing we didn't watch the whole movie because he did that weird stuff after. Wait, that yeah. sounded awful, but we're watching and it's if you've seen the Hobbit, you know the part where they're cleaning dishes? Yeah. Like in that super mm -hmm. extra way. So that's happens. He goes to the room and comes out and he's like 
hey, what do you see? And I was like, I don't know, nothing. And then he lifts his shirt up, and he has guns just, like, holstered around <laughs> this, like, neoprene, like, thing. And you can't see him in his shirt. He's like, you see that? I could have 10 guns on me at any time. You'd never know. And I was like, okay. And then he pulls out, like, these dual-wielded, like, desert eagles out of his back. <laughs> and he's like, check these guys out. And I'm, like, sitting there, like, what is going on? And then he just, like, calmly tells me, yeah, man. I could kill you anywhere in this house. And I was just like, what? He's like, yeah, I got stuff to kill you in every room. Just and then stashed like, away, <laughs> hidden away. I tap on that weird piece of mantle above the fireplace. Ex- yeah. Glock 9 comes out. No problem. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Uh, it's a Scooby-Doo house. And so we go into the dining room, and there's like this katana <laughs> <laughs> on the wall. And he's like, so what do you see in here? And I'm like kind of looking around. I'm like, oh, there's a sword on the wall. He's like, right. And so he picks it up and he goes, what if I go like this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's a sword. And he's like, well, block it. And so I go like this and he like, there's a dagger in the handle and he goes dead. It's <laughs> like, what's going on? And so like he does this, he takes me to this maze of a house and just tells me all these ways he could kill me in every room. And I'm like really uncomfortable. We Why? get to the so, yeah, yeah, so it sounds like such a nice evening. <laughs> so we get to the kitchen and then he's like, um, oh by the way, I brew my own moonshine. I'm like, of course you do. And so he pulls out this jar of moonshine and gives me like this a drink of it. And it's like a big old swig of it, never had moonshine. There's like apple pie moonshine. It was pretty good. So I do that. Well, I start to kind of get a little drunk, you know? And then I'm kind of thinking like, oh, cool. At least they'll let me hang out here for a little bit, whatever. Well, he smacks me on the back. Boom. See you at work tomorrow. And I'm like buzzing, walking out to my car. I'm 19 years old. And he wants me to drive back onto the Air Force Base. And then he goes, hey, by the way. You weren't here tonight. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? So it was like this guy. That was, like I said, my first couple weeks there. And then. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most Arkansas story. It's so great. And then I, yeah, and then I was there for four years with this dude. And it was just Jeez. weird things. He ended up taking over the shop and we went out to his camping or his hunting spot on base. And he's like. I cannot believe you went anywhere with that guy where he could actively be shooting and <laughs> yeah. no one would question well no we were actually at work so we were in uniform and stuff okay he went out bought me lunch and we come back on base and like he actually got in trouble when he was in charge because he would just like disappear for eight hours and like no one knew where he Booby went trap something someplace <laughs> yeah. so we got to his hunting spot on base and he's like yeah, I like to post up right here. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And he's like, yeah, I got this ghillie suit. Well, he said he had a ghillie suit. He would dig a mud hole in his backyard, throw his ghillie suit in there, throw deer piss on it, and mud and sticks and grime and, like, all these things, and let it, like, marinate there for, like, a day. (laughs) Marinate for a day. And then he would dry it out. Well, he's like, yeah, my ghillie suit was so good. I went and laid out right here, covered myself in sticks and stuff, and, you know, I was laying there with my rifle. Well, a deer came up and started eating off my belly. So I stood up and grabbed my pistol and shot him in the neck. And just, <laughs> like, that's how he hunted his deer. And then he said he just threw it in the truck and went home. And I was like, this guy is outrageous. Yeah, so, he's outrageous if that's not true. He's out of his mind <laughs> if, if it, it is, is true. true. Yeah. So, like, that, that, was, that was my four years there, like, with that guy. But then I also met 
three people who I still to this day talk to every day. Um, and actually just three months ago was the first time since 2016 that we've all been in the same country, which is pretty cool. cool. Yeah. So we have a group chat. One guy won't get an iPhone, so we don't text him. (laughs) (laughs) So we only talk to him over Facebook, but yeah, it was pretty cool. I met a couple really good guys there from there. I deployed Afghanistan, met a couple guys there. I still talk to every day. Um, from there, South Korea, and then there, um, Tucson, Arizona. And there is actually where I met most people who now are like my best friends. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much been my journey in life. And then I got out in 2018, June, um, worked in Tucson for a couple months and then got a job here and came back home in January or February. So yeah, been a long journey to get home, but I was like, I was about to come home, um, last summer, but I was really adamant on like, I want to come home the right way. Like, I don't want to just come home and then get here and be scrambling, looking for a job or like not have a plan. Yeah. And so I had an opportunity in Tucson. Um, so I took that and just kind of went through that. I didn't enjoy it. It was, it was kind of, uh, it was a civil service job. So it was kind of like getting out of the military and then going back in like, yeah, but like a less exciting version. <laughs> yeah. And like a different capacity. And so it was kind of, kind of bummed. Cause like leaving base was like such a exciting thing, like such a huge milestone. And then two months later, like I turned around and drove back on base and I was yeah. like, oh, man, but yeah. So then, um, yeah, just waited it out until I got the right opportunity and then came home. So it's been my journey. Well, I think what's cool is, at least when we were talking at the fire, like, you've really found something you're passionate about that you're doing for work. And, like, like you said, it was very intentional. Like, you are a very, like, thought-out person. Mm-hmm. And you had planned on, like, getting this specific job and really pulled for it. And that's part of your journey in Tucson was, like, setting yourself up for this gig. Um What's what's it like now that you have this job that you're super super fired up about and um, do you what do you feel like kind of you've learned along the way of like differences from like you've worked jobs you hated in order to get the job you wanted and now you have a job that you're really excited about what is it like the difference Yeah, I was like um, going like my last year in the military, I had a much different outlook on it um but i allowed myself to be like or like made the the decision to be like so negative my first like five years five and a half years and it was just like the most exhausting thing i've ever done to myself it's just like go through every day like oh my gosh there's a job i have to go to i don't want to do this like three years and two days now i only have five years and 363 (laughs) days left i'm like you know and um so now it's like with his job, I'm learning like there's things with every job, you know, that are going to get in the way and like stress you out. And so I'm going through those things, but having gotten this job and like knowing that I worked so hard to get here and like everything worked out because of work that I had put in and, um, you know, kind of visualize the goal. Um, it makes me more proud than anything. And then like to be able to go there and like, 
get these parts in and I go to x-ray them and I'm not really sure what they're for. And then like learning for me, like I love space, love everything like that and learning, Hey, these are going on a satellite that we're launching in a couple months. It's going to run all GPS for Japan. And then I'm just kind of thinking like, Holy crap, that's really cool. Like I get to, you know, be a part of that. So it's a lot different to like, be pumped about what I'm doing, you know, despite some of the things that we're going through at work and like the hard times, it's awesome to be able to finally go to work and do some stuff that like I leave like feeling super accomplished and super happy and proud about. But like I said, I think it's just because I made the decision to be so negative before and now I'm a lot more like put in a lot more effort to make the decision to be positive regardless of if it is a pretty negative situation or, but yeah, it's been pretty cool. Was it, it this job that like made you decide to be more positive or was there a moment before that where you were like being negative sucks? Like I need to shift that thinking. Yeah, actually it was being home actually. So I got home, um, moved in with my dad. I've always looked up to my dad a lot. Um, we were close growing up, but I always had a problem with like, kind of like with the grades and stuff. I didn't have a very good work ethic growing up. Um, I joined the military and not going to lie. I spent a lot of years being like kind of bitter towards my parents because I looked at it as like, you guys sent me away rather than you guys were trying to do something that was going to benefit me in the future. Um, but yeah, I'd moved in with my dad. Um, so my dad, my stepmom and my little sister she's 10 years younger than me and um so when I left she was nine years old now she'll be 17 at the end of this month and um she was one person I just always wanted to get back to and so to come home and like be able to talk to my dad about you know my job and you know all these things and to hear him like tell me he's proud of me and stuff and um kind of realizing like and I told him multiple times and I try to tell him all the time because I can't tell him enough. Just like, thank you for forcing me to do that. And then he's part of a country club. And um, it as kids, like you're a member up till you're 26. Well, I surpassed that. And when he talked to them, was like, he was gone all that time. Can we just have one summer with him? So they gave it to me. And I remember the day we were out on the golf course up at Red Rocks and um, on hole eight. So when you turn around and look, you see all the foothills and like the fairway and like, it's just the most beautiful thing like I've ever seen. And I was just kind of sitting there and I was like, at this job that I finally like, I have a plan. I'm looking to buy a house. Um, I'm spending this time with my family, like four or five times a week. We're out here golfing. And I was just kind of like, things aren't so bad. Like there's nothing so negative that it's going to take away from all of this and like I'm so lucky to be here right now and be doing these things and so I think just coming home helped me look back on all of these years that I went through things being so negative and then like realizing it got me to where I'm at now and so I think it was just that really early on coming home and now every situation I just try to look at it as like a positive rather than a negative so I was like a really a naturally negative person for a long time. That's so awesome though that you got to shift out of that because it's, I feel like so many people don't. Um, and it's so rare to be able to to find that and it's 
like that's what you need like you're you're never going to find joy well like i was told my friends so i have two friends who one of you'll get to three yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well hopefully you know no i have two friends that like i'm really close with and um we kind of bonded a lot over music and like the way that they'll like analyze music the way that i do and like um but i told them after the camping trip it was like that was one of like just like sitting around and having those conversations that was like something i needed so bad that i didn't even know that i needed and i was like i left on sunday just feeling like super i'd say refreshed like and like there was like this weight kind of off my shoulders kind of thing because like I do take a moment to kind of see, like, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. Um, But I don't think I necessarily share that with a lot of people that look at things that way. Mm -hmm. And so to, like, you know, we're sitting there, and then you're like, hey, guys, everybody, three things you're grateful for. (laughs) Yeah, dude, you got to go through the the three things you're grateful for. Anytime your friends get together, you got to. Well, and then I was kind of expecting, like, everybody to say some goofy stuff well people started really reflecting on things they were grateful for and like some of them were really long-winded answers but like good answers and then so i was like you know that's pretty cool and it kind of got to kind of how i told you later on in the night like there's some things i'm so grateful for that i feel like i need to say thank you like a million times a day but i like can't you know tell people thank you a million times a day but um yeah so it was just awesome to have those conversations finally like and like find other people who aren't afraid to like talk about that kind of thing you know because a lot of people are like a lot of people don't take the time to do that yeah i mean um i remember my friend sarah taught me this a long time ago she said that like all of the negative emotions in life there's tons of them but there's only two things that will ever Break that. Two mm-hmm. things that will get you out, and it's gratitude, being thankful, or joy, or the way she puts it is like laughter, like humor. Like those are the only two things. Mm-hmm. And um, I think most people are dying to just let some of that out, and there isn't like a good platform because there's no smooth segue into just like, hey guys, we're all having a good time. Why don't we? put the brakes on all of the festivities and just talk about our feelings for five minutes. Like, yeah, right? There's no smooth way. Like you're going to have to do some four by four and to get to that place. And so, well, but that's what Gavin's best at. It's just, I mean, like no matter what the situation, uh, everybody three things you're grateful for. Yeah. It's something I'm very grateful for whatever reason. I've, I've just always been like comfortable being the whipping boy for like, all right, like, I'm the one to make it weird, but I know that, like, (laughs) someone here is going to be so glad that we, like, I got to learn so much about you and about, like, all the guys. Like you said, it was like, I've never done that except for maybe once or twice where people, and I mean, we do it all the time, and I, I can only think of maybe two times where I didn't walk away, like, feeling changed. Like, wow, I learned something about someone, I learned something about myself, um, maybe it was like, even sometimes like I've learned things like, Oh wow, that's like a, a gap in my armor or like, that's a blind spot for me. It's like, look at them being, I remember the first time someone was like, I'm grateful for music. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, like that is so big. It's something I listen. I am never not listening to music. And it's never once occurred to me to be thankful for it. That's crazy. And then I went down like a different rabbit hole of like, what are other things that I'm just crazy? Like I'm just using it all the time and I'm just taking it for granted, you know? And, yeah. um, I did it with Allie's family while we were at uh, her, our family reunion out in Cleveland this past weekend. Like, it's you know, probably three in the morning and everyone's having a good time and talking about this and talking about that. And what was funny is we started with probably five of us. And I really believe that like people want to be a part of situations like that. By the end of it, almost every person in this massive party had found their way to a dark corner in the yard that we were hiding in to do this. And found their way over there and got excited and like shared and like there were these guys who were like not sensitive guys who were just like speechless at how much they loved their wife. And I was like, I'm so glad she gets to see you feel this way about her in front of everyone. Like every time you tell her that you love her, like she probably doesn't know that it's the kind of love that leaves you speechless in front of strangers. Like how cool is this? So I'm glad that. That was that was a cool spot, man. I had a blast that weekend too. That was that was super fun. Yeah, like you said, it's like I think you start pulling a lot of things out of people that they feel or whatever. But when you put it into words, it's like it's different. Like it feels a lot different. Like you know, putting what you're grateful for into words and speaking it out loud is like I don't know. I think it's like ten times bigger than what you feel just thinking it to yourself. So. That was really cool. That was a cool experience for me. Dude, it was a cool experience for me. I had a blast. And axe throwing didn't hurt either. <laughs> the axe throwing was pretty awesome. Uh, I only made one all night. You stayed up until 4.30. I made one all night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my no. goodness. I made that one and I quit. Yeah. While you're on top, right? <laughs> yeah. Then I was on Facebook and this girl I'm friends with, she was like, uh, t- to no surprise, I'm just a natural at this. And we're just hucking bullseyes. What? Like with two hands, just hmm. yeah, just hucking bullseyes, and I was like, "That's ridiculous." Oh, that's an unfollow situation. You don't need that in your life. <laughs> yeah, she that's does crazy. that, and like to be fair, the the axes are not, uh, they're not competition quality. They are. No. They're, they're tough. Yeah. Yeah. They're a bit tougher than you know your standard. Yeah, where axe. like all the weight is in the head of the axe. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. The weight distribution was off. I thought something was wrong. That's, yeah, yeah. You, you, that's it wasn't it was. regulation. And yeah. That's yes. where, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm yes. used to like, yeah, like competition axes. Okay. <laughs> I've hooked a few bullseyes in my day. Yeah. yeah. I'm familiar with the center of a target. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Not a clay, but dude. So for those of you who are listening, we were all a part of Jamar's bachelor party a weekend or two ago and we were all pretty confident going into shooting clays, at least reasonably confident. I was like, I'll hit something. Oh, in my head, I, I was confident. I was feeling it. I, was like, I know, right? It yeah. seems so straightforward. I'm, I might not say much during this whole thing, because I'm just meeting these people. I'm about to knock about 50 of these out of the sky. I hit like five. Dude, it was the <laughs> hardest thing. I couldn't believe Like, I was the first one up, and I was like, in my head, I'm like, last time I was here, I got... I did well. I think I did the best. So I better at least hit something. And I went 0 for 13. And then I was like, wow, that was pretty rough. 
And then Jamar went 0 for 13. And then someone went like 0 and 7 before they hit something. And we were all just like looking around at each other like, going to be a long day, boys. (laughs) I think we went through close to five to 600 rounds. And I think we probably only hit like 100 targets. It was so bad. Trevor's going to mess me up. Yeah. Because I shot at the rabbit. Well, when... For not an actual rabbit. Yeah, it's a yeah, clay that rolls along the ground. So I shot sense. at that one. Well, then when I cocked it, I left probably about a good <laughs> two inches between the butt of the gun and my shoulder before I shot and it, again. And this thing was like an ultra 12 gauge for some reason. And I... Yeah, I just... Well, it was how does the pistol military grip. man make that mistake? It's easy, dude. Because <laughs> it wasn't a normal shotgun. It's a pistol grip. So you... In your head, you naturally start pulling it away from you because it's a gotcha. pistol grip. Okay. And, yeah, because everyone all day have been talking about how awful this gun was to shoot. They're like, dude, it's so painful. It's like it can't be that much worse than the other 12-gauges. Yeah. And because of my collarbone, like I didn't do a lot of 12-gauge until the end of the day. And I've been doing some, and I was like, all right, I can do this. And I pull out the Mossberg, and I'm like all fired up. And... First one, no problem. And I was like, it's because I was really keeping it tight to my shoulder. And then as soon as I looked over at everyone, I was like, guys, the key is hold it tight with your, your like, hold it as aggressively tight as you can with your hand, but it's got to be tight. Bang. Oh, shit. Oh, ow. It just, like, immediately right into my messed up collarbone. I was like, I got cocky. <laughs> yeah, that thing was a beast. I think, like, yeah, when I cocked it. I had the pistol grip, and I like kind of pushed that forward as I was pulling back. Yeah. I don't know why I did that, but yeah, it just rocked me. Dude, it's it's savage. I can't wait to go again. We still have like 500 rounds to go through. Yeah, I think Toothless Joe probably shoots those one-handed. Yeah. yeah. So here's another weird story. We show up to the range, and there's this meth-head-looking dude driving around the range, like filling up stations, making sure that things, like he's, in, he described himself as 12 volt crazy because he's real into electronics. And so he like wires up the machines and makes sure that everything's running right. And um, I didn't know he was technically a part of the place. And <laughs> so Mike shows up and we're a couple stations down and he walks all the way to us and we're like, Hey, you're going to want like safety glasses and earplugs are all in the truck. And he's like, uh, don't want to walk back. And toothless Joe is like, I got you, buddy. And, and he drives him over to the truck and I'll let you take it from here. Well, I thought he was part of the group. <laughs> so I'm like, he doesn't really fit in with this crew, but like, I'm not one to judge people. So I get in. Well, he has all this stuff on like the passenger seat and it's this weird looking like hook shaped a knife like and a so raptor claw i picked it up and like kind of moved it and so he rips it out of this thing and puts it on my on my uh lap it would check this damn thing out and i was like what the hell is that <laughs> and he was like got it at auction last night so he's showing me this thing it's not tactical it's not even it's not even useful yeah, it's not even useful it's like you hold it like this and it's just this huge raptor claw that comes around and it's only sharp on the side that is closest to your fingers Wait, so it's probably for uh, gutting people specifically, like yeah, yeah, for person use. <laughs> but yeah, so he does that, and then like 
I'm like weirded out. He takes me to the car, drives me back. And it had to have been 30, 45 minutes in till I realized he wasn't part of the group. And this whole time I'm thinking like, this guy's weird. Like it was going to be an interesting camping trip with this guy. <laughs> but yeah, then I learned he wasn't part of the trip and he was just yeah. being weird at every station. And then like at one point I thought he was gone. Like he didn't say anything for a while. And then Gavin hit two in a row and you just hear, Hell yeah. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, he's scoping it out. It's <laughs> just yeah. like, what's going on? So, so then JT's gun jams up, and so I take it apart, and I'm like, well, this thing just needs to be oiled. And he's like, I got some oil. You need some? And I was like, actually, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. And he leaves to go get it, and it's like 15 minutes goes by. Everyone else has had their turns. I'm like, you know, guys, I'll meet you at the next station. I'll just walk back to to the shack and see like what the deal is. And as I walk up, he pulls up in his truck and he's like, I can't remember. I left that damn thing. You know what? I think it's on the Caterpillar. There was just this giant front end loader there. And he disappears behind the backside of this front end loader for like three to five minutes. And I'm still just sitting there like holding the pieces of the gun. Like why would there be gun oil loose? on the front end loader like <laughs> are you playing hide and seek with yourself like what's happening and sure enough he just like pops out from behind one of the like eight foot tires like I got it and then I'm like cool like I'm not mega proficient at guns will you make sure that like I can get this together properly and he's like actually you know what I don't really know much about guns Let, let's go to the owner and we meet the owner of the gun range cool dude it's a uh, quail run Gun club, awesome, awesome sport clay spot out in Kiowa. And this guy, I find out later, is retired, like, federal agent. He was in charge of training every federal agency on gun usage. So he has, like, a tactical mastery of every single weapon that the federal government uses. It's like a, some sort of handheld firearm. He's maxed out the certificates for every single one. And so this is where he chose to retire was this little gun club. And uh, he just grabs this thing and just like, and it's together. And he just starts like cycling through it. Like <laughs> he's like really checking this thing out. And I was like, wow, like that was really impressive. It's like, oh, I used to work for Remington. And then, I don't know, like hour later, he comes up real slow like in his truck and he just kind of like watching us miss every single shot on the easiest one on the entire range too. Like it wasn't, this is the one that like the, the station is set up is a like, we know you've been having a rough day. Here's some freebies. And we are just missing them all. The one that shot at you installed for like yeah. a good three seconds. They yeah. both stall like right next to each other, both of the clays and we're all missing them. And he's like, Hey, can, can I just like, make sure it's cycling well that gun that we put back together and i was like sure like go for it and he like feels it out once or twice and none of us are paying any attention and then this guy blasts off two rounds faster than i've ever heard any gun go off like this like cheap remington pump action like it was not meant to be fired like this i mean fast bang bang isn't as fast as he shot these like it was insane everyone goes dead still and he just like hands the gun back to me, quietly walks back to the truck. And we're all just like, you don't get to do that. Why are you so good? <laughs> and he goes through all this stuff and he's like, tries again for a little bit, gives up. And then he's like, 
eh, just one more for the road. Bang, bang. And then just pulls off, drives away. We're like, that is a scary dude, man. <laughs> as soon as he drives away, Toothless Joe's like, I want to watch someone try and break into his house. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. What a day. Yeah, Toothless Joe was like analyzing that whole move too. Like he was about to pick it up. I've been meaning how to ask him how to do that. Yeah, exactly. Like, like he's just going to, oh, okay, boom, boom. I'm like, come out there and be good at it. Oh, man. It was I nice. wouldn't trust Toothless Joe with a, no. with a Nerf gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, and then uh, right as we're leaving, Mike comes up and he's like, you going to invite him camping? And I was like, <laughs> no. I swear to God, Mike, don't do that. Don't do that. Can you imagine him if we were axe oh, throwing yeah. with him? Someone like that hobble? <laughs> oh, yeah. He had like a weird peg leg limp. But he didn't have a peg leg. He was very, he was a very strange guy. Nice enough though. Like it yeah, seems he was, well-meaning. It's, it seems like you attract some interesting fellows into your life. Ah, let's put it it's on a, him. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He actually, in in ways, he reminded me of that guy. Yeah, that I was stationed with for sure. All the crazy, just less talent. The funny thing too is like if you go to different bases, like when I got deployed. So the way like deployments work is the same bases will su- support the same mission at okay. at these uh, deployed locations. So you go there like, because I think he was there for some insane amount of time. But they're like, Little Rock, do you know Lewis? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I do know Lewis. And then they're like, that is a bitch. He told me this story. And then he they would just go off on stories. So this guy was like known world famous yeah he was just like career field famous and we need to get lewis on the podcast yes in a well like a remote building we're not gonna let him near our house of the dial two problems with that last he told us he was on tour in south africa with blink 182 as the lead security guard Wow. Second. He so happens Blink-182 yeah. is in town tonight, and I'm yeah. going here. And as soon as he finishes, I'm sure you still saved his crazy-ass number and be like, yo. He, maybe he's there tonight. I don't know. Dude, if he is. Dude. Look for the most hardcore guy you've ever seen in your life. He probably has the Michael the Michael Jordan earring. Okay. The cross earring. And you, you don't have his number? No, I don't anymore. Oh, no, that's what probably changed it. Really yeah. He probably just Deny has all the burner evidence. phones. Yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah. Okay. Second Michael issue Jordan. with that, he told us that on his last deployment, because he had to go to some training, and so, like, my job in there... We... Sensitivity training, don't lower the new guy into your house and <laughs> yeah. convince him you're going to murder him and leave him for dead. <laughs> Send him home drunk. Wait, the military has sensitivity training now? Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. There's all yeah, kinds dude. of things like that. You get that much testosterone and accidentally some lady walks in there or even just like some normal human being. You want to have manners, not just a bunch well, manners of manners are different than guns. No, there's a lot training. of like sensitivity training and awareness trainings for everything you could think of. It's still a government agency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he told us when he went on this training, they took him into like so seer it's survival evasion resistance yeah. escape and uh that they took him to that training only guy in our career field to ever even need to think about doing something like that they took him into that so he comes back and he's like so don't tell anybody there's like eight of us in the room right don't tell anybody because no one's supposed to know but i just did 
you know, this, this, and this for training. I'm the most highly trained, you know, NDI personnel in the Air Force. So we're in the break room during lunch, and so he's like, duct tape my wrists. And so I'm like, okay. So I, <laughs> this like, is so good. Duct tape his wrist, and he's like, you ready to watch me break out of this? And I was like, yeah. Can't so wait. <laughs> lifts his arms up and, like, brings him back to his, like, waist really hard, and it's supposed to, I guess, rip the duct tape. Well, the edge is folded which yeah. creates that uh, tension. Yeah. And he just rocked himself in the stomach so hard. Oh. <laughs> he did the... And like he looked at it. The duct tape's folded over, and he's like, I'm going to try it again. <laughs> and I was like, no, we don't got to try anything again. He I'm proved what I was so thinking. so bummed you didn't let him go for round number two. <laughs> yeah. That's... He did stuff like that. It's like this one guy showed up, and... He'd invite him over for dinner all the time, and he's a guy. Just happened to mention it. He makes really good pizza, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "He makes awesome pizza. Like he makes really good pizza." And I was like, "Are you sure he's making the pizza?" He's like, "Yeah, they're frozen, but like he says he just makes them and like has them in his you know cooler, like his freezer." Well, and then upon further investigation, he was buying Papa Murphy's yes. and inviting people over yes. and telling him it was a like secret family recipe for like ages. Uh, like that uh, is incredible. Well, yeah. it was who it. got the intel on the Papa Murphy's? Well, maybe it was Murphy's. He's Murphy's son. Yeah. So Lewis Murphy. Lewis Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. my dad's family recipe. It was. He was like that aspect was like exhausting and really entertaining, but in the same. Like the same dude. Every time there was like a snowstorm or something, and he had like. Um, that was my ring. I was playing with it. It's probably for the best. <laughs> but um, I almost knocked him right in the face. I know, man. I thought it was. There's a, mop, a million honestly. ways I can kill you in this room. Ring number one. <laughs> ring. That hits you in the temple. You're going down. <laughs> but yeah, he was like one of those guys that, like, one guy actually his appendix burst. We were working with. I don't know where his appendix burst. And it was like three in the morning, and oh. this dude jumped in his truck, drove on base, picked this guy up, drove him to the hospital, and like just stayed. Like he took like a couple weeks of leave and just like stayed Dang. with him. So he was also one of those guys that you super depend on. You don't know if he's gonna like pull a bone arrow out to defend you, but like. Yeah, yeah, he might accidentally yeah. murder a nurse, but like he'll get you to the hospital. He'll choke the nurse out, put exactly. her outfit yeah. on, and just save you. Exactly. Like I don't know. Yeah. He he's been part of a deep sting operation in the VA. <laughs> <laughs> he's been posing as Sharon from accounting. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. But yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of interesting people when you like branch out like that. Because I was just hung out with like the same like six people for the longest time and then went out learned somehow in the military everybody's from the south yeah um everybody loves alabama that's why we keep football. it yeah <laughs> that's why we keep it but yeah like met all kinds of interesting people but i met some really cool guys well it sounds like you're really close with at least a decent chunk of those guys yeah yeah like i said just a few i talk to every day one is in afghanistan talk to him every day we probably shared upwards of like 20 songs with each other a week. Like, Oh man, check this out. So I got like some awesome playlists from him. Um, but then, you know, again, like one of the few people I can have like a pretty serious conversation with about, you know, things like being grateful and stuff. And like, I'm really into writing and he is too. So like 
I'll, you know, bounce some writing ideas off of him. And, um, I met this other guy and his wife. Um, they're awesome. And like the good thing about like the people in the military is like everybody's from somewhere. And so nobody's afraid to fly, you know? So like, and I think I might've told you like for Memorial day, him and yeah, I was telling him I was having a kind of a hard time out here. I'm just getting used to things and not really hanging out with a lot of people. And he's like, well, you know, me and Vinny, we're going to hop on a plane and just come chill with you for Memorial Day weekend. So they just hopped on a plane and then like Memorial Day weekend turned out to be like the best weekend I had here in a long yeah, time. So that's awesome. So it's cool wow. to like have, you know, that and, um, cause I don't, yeah, like cause I don't really talk to anybody here that I used to. And it's like not in a bad way it's just kind of growing apart kind of thing you know yeah you've kind of become a new person yeah. i mean nicole talked about that with her journey from thailand like coming home and being like i have to like reassess where people fit into my life because i'm a new person yeah like the people i thought one thing about our friendship or relationship is now like kind of different mm-hmm. plus or minus like either way yeah yeah it's definitely true and um I took it really personal, like, the first couple months that I was here, and, like, I hung out with, like, my best friend um, growing up, and it was just, we had a few good conversations, but ultimately, like, throughout the night, like, we went downtown, and one thing I hate more than anything is clubs. Oh, well, good call. Yeah. Downtown. (laughs) I I hate clubs. Um, But, yeah, like, we were kind of hanging out downtown, and it was, like, I'm really, like, on edge in those situations anyway yeah and just kind of like was just very antisocial all night and um well i mean that's the things that he likes to do and whatever but um yeah we kind of tried to hang out a couple more times and just realize you know we're kind of into some different things and you got you know your group of people you're really close with now and i got mine and like different interests it's all like it's all good but um yeah i just found that i didn't have anything in common with anybody here anymore but so at least the not a bad thing. Before, yeah, the, the yeah. people that I knew before. So yeah, I mean, I feel like because you've been back in Denver, like close to like it's what, like, like ten months, seven or eight months. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine like it's such a different life from what I can understand and what I've heard of like being in the military, regardless of like if you're like out getting shot at or not, like it is Mm -hmm. a crazy different lifestyle. Like everything about it is so different that even after seven years of it, it's like really weird to get back into the groove of like a normal civilian day to day. Yeah. And like my family was really surprised at first because like I said, I went through all that time, like being super negative about it and like, telling my parents I was having such a hard time, I was struggling, like, there's no way I'm re-enlisting and all this stuff. Well, those first few months, I was really struggling with being back home. Because, like, being in Tucson, because I was out six months in Tucson. Okay. But I associated a lot of those things with the military, had all my military friends around, um, working on base was, like, not that different. They were all ex-military. And when I got home, I remember having a conversation with my dad telling, like, I kind of miss it. Like, I kind of feel like I want to go back. And he was like, give it some time, you know, and maybe you're just trying to find yourself here. Um, you've been this person for all this time. 
give yourself an opportunity here. And now slowly still, I'm kind of like finding my way into my own thing. into like, I want to say this world, but it's like not two different worlds, but yeah. it kind of is, you know, um, cause that's something I was used to in my whole adult this life. lens of like civilian versus. Right. But now I'm, I'm getting into that, finding that. Um, and one of the biggest things I think was, you know, buying a condo and like, as much as I love spending time with my parents and stuff, living out of like their basement, it was tough because it wasn't mine, you know? And, um, so getting this thing, like having some ownership of something and then this job that I go to and things like that. And it's just like, okay, now I'm kind of making this home and kind of making this me and what I want it to be. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it was weird. It was definitely weird coming home. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, we can't relate at all because... Yeah, I can't relate, but I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. That was a cool thing about Nicole actually going to Thailand. Um, so like I said, oh, before that, um, we hadn't seen each other for... Because I went to Korea. Yeah. We saw each other once during the year I was there. And before that, we didn't really see each other too much. Um, I got back from Korea and we... So all that time had gone by and like we grew up pretty close, but it was all more kind of on like, we were just goofy brother and sister, yeah, you know, and watching sports and we're like living doing in the same house, all that stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, all that, she got done with college and I was gone by that time. And, um, so I come home, we go camping. It was pretty good. And then we we're like, Hey, why don't we just take a day to go to Estes park? You and me. And so we get up like as we're driving to Estes Park and even while we're driving to camping we had some good conversations and like there's a side of her that I didn't even like I was not familiar with and I don't think she was very familiar with me because we were having more conversations about like life and you know things like that and I had no idea I knew she started to get a lot more into like her faith and things like that but and I'd learned so much about her during that time and I was like wow, this is pretty cool. Like, and we had that conversation, like, this is cool. Like, I kind of feel like we have both gone through these things and it's allowing us to kind of like grow closer in a way that probably we didn't even know, you know, we could probably didn't even have the chance of before. No, because now you've kind of gone through these, you both kind of came home at similar times Yeah, and we're like adjusting to life back home at the same time. So I feel like, God's timing. He was like, "Well, you'll get a buddy to go yeah. to go through it with, like someone to yeah, kind I, of understand the feeling of like these are all the people that I've loved my entire life that now sometimes I don't think I can anymore." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I got to Arizona, and I think she left in like what October. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, she left in October, and I think the whole time she was in Thailand, we maybe talked two times. And, um, you know, so she was doing that whole thing. And then I was in Arizona until, you know, February. And then, you know, we ended up hanging out and talking again and stuff. And it's like, she was telling me a lot of things she was struggling with being back home. And like, um, I know one big thing was like people in Thailand weren't as, um, privileged, you know, yeah. as you are here and same with South Korea, like a lot of them, you know, weren't as privileged as the things that we have here. And, uh, we, yeah, we're talking about that. And it was just like, 
um, all kinds of other stuff. And it's just like, holy crap. It's somebody I grew up with since I was like, you know, six years old and had no idea that you are this person. And then like all the last three or four years have gone by and I've seen you a handful of times. But, you know, now we're to this point. It's like almost like not meeting a new person in a way, but it's like seeing like I've probably seen more growth in her than I have any of my siblings. Yeah. And so like talking to her is really cool. And I, I've told her multiple times, like, I'm so, I'm so proud of her. Like, I'm so proud of like the things that she pushed herself to do, get out of her comfort zone and like just the person that she is. So yeah, it's like seeing someone cool. old in a new way, right? Or seeing something new and surprising in someone that you've known your whole life. And like, yeah, I think that people are like diamonds and we can refract or reflect, refract or reflect. I don't know science um, you can reflect or you can you can shine whatever light whatever color of light through it but it all just depends on the angle in which you have it tilted and i mm-hmm. think that's all people like that was a big deal for me when i got married i was like i don't know if i can like handle living with the same person for the rest of my life like that's crazy and then someone was like you haven't gotten sick of any of your friends i was like yeah but they surprised me like Everything I learned something new about them or we go do something new and we experience it together. And they're like, why would this be any different? And I was like, oh, like just because you know someone or you've known someone or even yourself, right? Like mm-hmm. your whole life you knew yourself as this one person and then all of a sudden the shift of like, oh, I'm going to think more positively and you're learning stuff about yourself. Or I remember going through versions of myself uh, versions of myself as I like figured that all out and I know Dylan I'm sure is when he goes to Asia is going to go through the same thing of like essentially learning things about yourself of like oh this is actually more important to me than I thought or this actually isn't all that important to me or um, this person is important to me that I wouldn't have guessed that's pretty awesome that's, a, that's cool that you guys get to share that together yeah yeah and like you said like learning this different version of yourself too because like when i got to arkansas you know first time i've ever been away from home on my own and i'm like trying to find myself in there and then um picked up some bad habits and like you know drinking and things like that and kind of was in a crowd of friends that you know i was good friends with them but um you know as i moved on to my next base kind of shifted away from that and it was like kind of my opportunity like okay i wasn't totally happy with the person that was there but i'm in a whole new place right now none of these people know me i have an opportunity to kind of just like reset and start back over well in korea um one thing there everybody loves to drink and it's like one of the only things to do so people it's like, don't know that but koreans <laughs> drink like the world is on fire yeah i didn't know that yeah right outside of base more bars than you can imagine and like you can ride the train with a drink in your hand you can go there get a beer for two dollars and then there have soju is their alcohol doesn't taste like anything you can mix it with like orange juice or a gogurt like you never know (laughs) (laughs) and you just get messed up right (laughs) alcoholic gogurt Yeah, but it's like that you can get that for five dollars or fifteen dollars for a cup and drink all night and it's like if you don't want to travel 
and go see things that is literally footsteps away and so it just is one of those things and so you know that i wasn't totally happy with korea and then got to um arizona and like i said a couple of the people there are just awesome people and uh learned a lot from them and then you know came back home and then being around my parents um very important to be a good you know role model and example for my little sister um and that was kind of what i meant like excited to be becoming the man that i've always thought i would be um because all these years i feel like i've been trying to find that and now i feel like i'm surrounded myself with the right people and look at life the right way and have done things all the right way um that are in my opinion the right way um and yeah, at so, least right for you. Yeah, right for me. And so, yeah, everything's just coming together. And I remember, so my grandmother passed away when I was 15. And she was, like, the most important person in the world to me. And I've struggled with that a long time. And, like, one of my biggest things was, you know, I want to make her proud. But I want to get to the point where if I'm because she'd always make excuses for me and then I want to get to the point where I don't feel like I'm doing something that she would have to make an excuse for me and so I kind of look at everything like that and I guess I'm getting to that point now that I feel like if can I wake up today or can I go to bed tonight and say would she be proud of the person that I am is there any reason that she'd ever have to make an excuse for me and I finally feel like I'm at the point where like I don't feel like she'd have to make excuses for anything that I do I'm happy with everything that I'm doing happy with the person that I am and I think she would be too and so it's like that's kind of what I was leaning towards for like that comment about you know being excited about becoming the man that I've always thought I'd be so that's awesome I mean yeah you can't ask for anything better than that honestly I think no I mean yeah, that's like the entire male journey <laughs> is what know, you just right? described of like <laughs> becoming the man you thought that you would be. Um, well, that's a great place to to call it. I know Dylan's got a Blink-182 concert to make it to. He's be itching. careful. You don't yeah. know if that guy's there. You don't man. know if the head of security is a maniac. Is. Oh my gosh, that would be the coolest thing ever. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> Lewis is that who I'm looking for? Bobby Lewis, but Bobby he Lewis. goes by Bullet. And I'm oh, not lying. I'm not lying. Bobby Lewis goes by Bullet. Yes, write this down. Dang. Um, that's amazing. Probably in a leather vest, if I were to bet. Shirtless on that. in a leather vest? Mm, I don't know. See, the thing is, I don't know. He's a wild card. Yeah, that's. He amazing. could just be shirtless. I don't know. Dude, if this actually happens, this will make my life like. <laughs> If oh, I can dude. meet Bobby Lewis <laughs> at a Blink-182 concert and tell him I just got finished hearing the stories about how awesome he is. Yeah, he'd be pumped. He'll probably tell you some more weird stories about his family's secret Italian pizza res- recipe. I sure <laughs> <hope> so. <laughs> probably. Uh, well, we always end on the same question of okay. when you think of joy, whether it's the word joy, whether it's a moment of joy what comes to mind like it's not it doesn't have to be like a good story or anything like this is just for you when i think of joy when i think of joy i think of 
what I was explaining on the golf course is when I can look up and something like that, um, you know, look up, look around me and just have that moment of like, wow, I cannot believe that I am here right now and I'm living the life that I get to live. And that, that to me is like the, my biggest moment of joy all the time. Boom. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Just gratitude. Yep. That's, that's the key, man. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining thank you. us. This is like thank you guys. For I remember literally we're all having campfire conversations. And I was like, as soon as I'm back from Cleveland, first guest, it's gonna be Mike, and it worked perfect. So thanks for coming. And I appreciate you guys. And, um, yeah, man, excited to keep the train rolling with more shenanigans. Just because yep. the bachelor party's over, it doesn't mean we have to <laughs> stop doing dope stuff. Uh, well, word, man. 